Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Believe it or not, we are just about two weeks away from the start of fall practice, which is August 8th. That also means our return to weekly programming from August through April. Starting with our first show in August, we will preview the Big Ten and, of course, our Wolverines. Before we get back to the regular schedule, it's time for our July recruiting roundup. It's been a busy summer for Jim Harbaugh and his staff. And as of today, Michigan's 2017 class is top five in most analysts' eyes. It has the potential to remain top five come February, with a lot of talent still weighing their options. Our game day segment is about 35 minutes today, so let's get to it. Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports is on deck next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. us today by popular demand on our July recruiting roundup is Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. How goes it, Steve? Uh, Good, Mike. Same as always. Busy. Steve, never a dull moment in the recruiting game. As of today, I believe we have 18 verbals in the class of 2017. Is that right? Michigan's class in in 17, I mean, the numbers are going to continue to fluctuate. Uh, I know they're at, I think, 18 verbal commitments now. Um, added a few offensive linemen, I believe, since the last time you and I chatted. Um, it's they're getting to a point now. I think what what you're going to see, um, you know, they're going to keep recruiting a lot of guys, even at positions they have a few commitments at running back, offensive line, or two. Great examples of spots where they already have, I think, three at running back, four at offensive line. You're going to continue to see them recruit uh elite elite guys at both of those positions and, until the bell goes uh and so you know i think now you're, what you're going to see is a more narrower focus uh and in, in, in almost every position as they uh as the spots kind of you know fill up i think for the most part i think they're satisfied with the verbal commitments they have uh i wouldn't rule out some changes at at some point with a couple guys but um you know i think for the most part they they really like uh, I guess I'd say they like the foundation they've built to now go after some of the nation's best, you know, the best of the best going forward. The next few weeks should be fairly quiet leading up to the opening of fall practice on August 8th. But we do have the barbecue at the big house coming up, don't we, Steve? Yeah, the barbecue is, uh, oh man, uh, it's shaping up to be one of the best events. Uh, I feel like we've been saying, I've said this about four times now in the last like year and a half, but uh, the visitor list for this barbecue uh, should be pretty impressive. Um, you know, they're, they're I, th- I kind of get the imp- I feel like the staff is sort of coming into a zone uh, as far as recruiting goes. You know, Tony Tuiati is the new director of player personnel. His 
you know, he's officially got his feet on the ground now and, and is, is really, in my opinion, starting to hit his stride and, and working a lot of different guys and, and uh, you know, keeping the Michigan name out there. So uh, the barbecue, yes, yeah, it's, it's really the last big event before official visit season starts. And uh, I think we're going to see quite a few uh, big-time targets for, for the staff, like on campus. The barbecue at the big house has become such a huge event. Refresh our memory, Steve. Was that started by Rich Rod or was that Brady? It's uh, Rich Rod's only positive legacy <laughs> at Michigan, I guess. I mean, uh, I mean, not to not to disparage Coach Rodriguez at all, but uh, I think uh, it's the one thing that has remained from when he was here uh, that has has stuck. You know, it stuck with Coach Hoke, obviously, and and Coach Hoke they did a great job running the event. And then uh, Coach Harbaugh, that the barbecue last year was a, a huge success as well. So uh, it's kind of interesting that it's kind of stayed. Uh, I think if I could, if I would guess, uh, the common bond really was maybe former director of player personnel Chris Singletary, who was there under Rodriguez, mm-hmm. there under Hoke. And I don't know if he was there for. I don't think he he was gone last year by the time the barbecue came about. But I know that it was something that. Uh, you know, I think the coaches talk about, you know, what should we do? What kind of events can we do in the off season or what, what should we, you know, how should we, you know, set our off season recruiting plan. And I think the, the barbecue was something that, you know, obviously, obviously stayed in the conversation because it's gone through three coaching staffs, but, but yeah, I think it's just a, uh, it's an excellent event. Each staff has kind of done it their own, you know, put a little bit of different wrinkles into it and stuff, but, uh, but it's been always been a huge, uh, huge success. Do we expect more verbals will come right after the barbecue? Uh, I think it's it's just like anything else with recruiting. I think it's it, it varies by each guy. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Michigan got a couple commitments at this year's barbecue. Uh, I feel like they're in a great position with a handful of guys that are going to be there or are at least scheduled to be there right now. Um, but you know, it, it just it usually varies kind of by the recruit. I mean, I don't. The thing is, I don't really feel like Michigan is. Uh, despite what you may read on rival sites or whatever, Michigan has not really been pressuring any guys to end the process or, or make a verbal commitment. Uh, you know, Kyle Leon Herbert, the uh, four-star offensive lineman who just committed, actually made the point to say that that's what he liked about Michigan staff was that they weren't pressuring him to commit at all. Uh, you know, so it's a situation where it's going to come down to that whether the kid feels like it's the right time or not because based on what I know, uh, I don't feel like Michigan's going to, you know, even really nudge some of these guys into making a verbal. So, like I said, I think a couple might happen, uh, but it would be on their own kind of volition. Historically, I think they, I think it's been mixed. I mean, they've gotten some at the barbecue, and they've gotten some shortly after, and then, yeah, they've gotten guys that have gone to the barbecue that have maybe come back official and then verbal later. Steve, is the barbecue exclusively for 2017 recruits? Or will we see kids from 2018 and 19 in attendance? Oh, yeah, it'll be all three classes. I think the 19s will be probably very, there'll be very few of those. Um, it's actually, in my opinion, in, in some ways, it's a bigger event for the 18 kids uh, because sometimes it's a, it's maybe a kid's first time coming up to campus. Uh, I know, matter of fact, this morning reported uh, a kid named Penny Sewell, uh, a top 100, top 50 overall offensive lineman out of Utah, uh, who I think will eventually be a five-star in the 24-7 composite, uh, is visiting Michigan for the barbecue. And uh, guys like that uh, who are just starting the process out, uh, you know, but are coming out on their own dime, 
you know, to, to see what Michigan's all about. It, it really says a lot about how interested they are. And then, you know, obviously Michigan's interested if they invited him. But uh, sometimes I always kind of look at, you know, with a, with a lot of the 17 guys at this point, it's kind of known at least where Michigan kind of stands or, or where, you know, they stand with each other. I think there's a real mutual understanding for the coaching staff and the prospect. Uh, but with some of these 18 guys, the, the juniors to be, uh, it can really be maybe a kind of a, a starting point or, or a springboard, you know, into, into you know, whether or not they're going to have a real shot at the guy. Steve, many of the 2017 verbals had good showings at some of the skill camps this summer, including Dylan McCaffrey. He impressed at the Elite 11, didn't he? I thought so, too. Uh, you know, it was kind of interesting. So we had, uh, I think, 24-7, we had about nine or ten guys out there uh, with two guys totally focused on the Elite 11. Uh, the very first day when they came out and were just throwing with, you know, basically warming up, nothing real serious, uh, you know, McCaffrey really didn't really look that great to start out, and there was some concern about, you know, whether or not he was going to live up to, to his lofty ranking um, but then he came out day two, and this is, I think, kind of what the story with Dylan has been. Uh, once you put the defense on the field, uh, he turned into a completely different player. And, uh, you know, my thing with him has been pretty consistent over the last couple of months after you learn more and more about him. Usually, like a lot of times with these quarterback recruits, they usually have the physical side of the game is mm-hmm. down to a T. It's more about learning the X's and O's and the mental side and all that kind of stuff. I think with McCaffrey, I think it's like the opposite, which is a great thing. Uh, there was not the, all of the compliments and all of the positive talk about him regard, was regarding his, his mental makeup, uh, his ability to, to read a defense, his ability to, uh, you know, remember the plays, his, like, all, the, all that intangible uh, X's and O's side of – those side of things were really what we're consistently talking about with him in, in a positive light. I know – uh, for anybody out there, to, there's a Bleacher Report Elite 11 video. Um, it's about 12 minutes long, and about three or four, three to six minutes, that whole portion is pretty much nothing but Trent Dilfer gushing over Dylan McCaffrey's intangibles. And, you know, that's a, with, with Harbaugh, that, that's a great sign. I mean, he's, he's, he's going to have to build weight, but he's got plenty and plenty of time to do that. I mean, that's the least concern of, of, of Michigan coaches or what anybody should be thinking about with him right now. It's that he's got that uh, ability to be coached and ability to kind of do a lot of the things and that a lot of guys in high school can't do at the quarterback position. So, uh, you know, my takeaway from the opening with him was that I think fans should be just super excited. I mean, not that they weren't already, but I mean, the potential with him is is really, really high. I mean, to have him and Brandon Peters back-to-back is, is I mean, about as good as you're going to find in the country. And then you look at, you know, what Harbaugh does uh, at the quarterback position. I mean, you, you take Rudock against Utah, and then you take him against Florida, uh, and then you take guys as talented as Peters, McCaffrey, even Wilton Spates and, and John O'Corns, uh, and you give them a whole year to get them season. I mean, it's it should be an exciting time to be a Michigan fan, you know, as far as the quarterback position goes. Steve, on our June roundup, we mentioned that five-star Nico Collins from Alabama still had Michigan near the top of his list. Has anything changed with that? Yeah, I mean, I actually gave in. So I gave in about a week and a half ago and put in a, a 24-7 sports crystal ball 
for Collins to go to Michigan. Uh, I didn't think I was going to be doing one anytime this summer, um, but the the rumblings are continue to get stronger and stronger that Michigan's in a really great position here. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because if, if Collins was to commit to Michigan at some point, the response I think from down South is going to be, well, Alabama, you know, is going to, they already are in great shape with like five other four star wide receivers. Well, Alabama's always going to be in good position with a lot of the top recruits in the country, but for Michigan to come in, and potentially swipe the top recruit in the state of Alabama for 2017 is massive. I mean, especially when you get perceptions reality a lot in recruiting and, you know, the perception of what Michigan's been trying to do with the satellite camps and, and recruiting in these areas where they haven't been successful. Um, the countries, the, the, the landscape, the recruiting, land, they're going to look at that and think, wow, well, you know, something's working, obviously, uh, you know, if they're beating, you know, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Auburn, Florida State, Clemson. I mean, Collins has offers from all the schools that people normally wouldn't expect Michigan to beat. So, um, you know, I think Michigan's in a really good position with him. Uh, again, I don't know. He, he continues to say he doesn't have any plans to decide anytime soon. I don't 100% know or believe that's the case. Uh, I do think it's possible that he would maybe end his recruitment sooner than what he says he will. Um, and if he does end it any time before, I'd say like September, October, at least before official visits, you know, I'd be really surprised if he didn't commit to Michigan. In June, we talked about some very talented receivers Michigan was still in on. Maurice Bell from California, Jamon Osbin, and Tariq Black from Connecticut. Have any of them committed in the last few weeks? So Bell committed verbally to, I think, Colorado a few weeks ago. Um, right now, I, this is the way I would lay out Michigan's recruiting board at wide receiver because uh, Osbon committed to LSU uh, a couple weeks ago also. Okay. Um, Black will be up for the barbecue. Uh, I look at it like this. I think right now for Michigan at wide receiver, it's Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and then a kid, actually, uh, a new name that's emerged on the wide receiver board is a young man named Oliver Martin uh, out of Iowa City, who our director of scouting, Barton Simmons, said was the best overall wide receiver at the opening. Um, he's currently a three-star prospect, but he's definitely going to be a four-star here whenever we re-release our, our post-opening rankings. Uh, he's more of a slot style. I think he's six foot even, uh, about 170 pounds. Uh, he was on Team Hyper Cool, which was a team that had all the Michigan commitments and targets and stuff on it. Uh, my personal belief right now is, is it's Collins, Peoples-Jones, Martin, and everybody else. Uh, I do think Tariq Black is one of a couple of those guys that I think could shift on that board. He could move up. I think he's right on the cusp. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I feel like Michigan thinks they're in really good spots with uh, Collins and Peoples-Jones for sure. And Martin, uh, who will be at the barbecue also, uh, is a guy I, I think they feel really good about as well. So, uh, you know, their wide receivers, it, it is. I think you're going to see them kind of narrow. They've backed off in recruiting a lot of these other targets pretty hard. Um, and so I think it's, it's a very – wide receivers one of the spots where things are very concentrated right now. It's not a very wide uh, spectrum at this point just because I think they – at least right now, feel like they're in, in a pretty decent spot with a lot of guys, or with the guys they want, not a lot of guys. 
Steve, in your opinion, which position groups will the Michigan staff focus on from here on out? Uh, I think one spot they'd really like to add, you know, wide receiver is big. I mean, they don't have a verbal yet. So getting those three guys that we talked about would be really big for the class, especially you consider, you know, you look at their wide receiver depth chart. They did recruit four potentially really good players at the position last cycle, three of which I think are clear slot types. Um, But they lose their X receivers, you know, with Darbo and Chesson graduating. And then Mo Ways and and Drake Harris haven't really uh, performed on the field yet. So we don't, they're still kind of an unknown at this point. So I think they want those two uh, long right receivers on the outside and Collins and Peoples Jones to, you know, supplement that. Uh, you know, I think one other spot there really is going to be really in two, two spots actually that are going to be really interesting to follow our cornerback and linebacker. Uh, you know, they have Benjamin St. Just uh, committed at corner who, who was probably out of the, all the Michigan commitments at the opening probably helped his stock the most. I know uh, Barton Simmons, I talked about earlier, our director of scouting, uh, loves his game. Uh, I think he gives them a great foundation at at cornerback, and and now you'll see them go after, again, some of the nation's top guys. I think Ambry Thomas from Detroit King is obviously a guy I think we've talked about before. He's a known top target they've been after for a while. Uh, I think uh, Darnay Holmes, the five-star out of Calabasas, California, uh, he may be up for the barbecue. It's gone back and forth with him. Uh, he's a guy they really like. Sean Wade, a guy that I was pretty—I was actually kind of wrong on. Uh, I dismissed Michigan's shot with him to our readers, I think, last month. Uh, the old five-star Ohio State commitment is trying to come up for the barbecue. Uh, and Michigan, apparently, from what we've been told, is is feeling like they have a real shot with him, actually. So uh, cornerback is one. The other spot is linebacker. Uh, you know, they have Josh Ross already committed. Ben Mason is, I kind of consider Mason an athlete. I think he's a linebacker slash fullback to them. Uh, I think they want to take two more. And uh, three of the names that are really high on their board, guys that they're really after right now, are Drew Singleton out of Paramus Catholic. I know we've talked about him a few mm-hmm. times. He's still there. Uh, I still think Michigan's in great position with him. Uh, Jordan Anthony, the uh, IMG Academy four-star is another guy, Don Brown. Him and Don Brown have a great relationship. Uh, he might also be up for the barbecue too. Um, but the one, and this is a big name that's that's popped up recently, is uh, five-star Baron Browning, who I think is the top linebacker prospect in the country. I mean, this, this kid is just on a different level. Um, we have him as number two. He's behind Dylan Moses. But I think he's I, – I don't even really think it's close. I think he's the number one linebacker in the country. Uh, he visited last month with his brother, Barry, who actually was recruited by Jim Harbaugh at Stanford. So there was a connection there. Uh, they came up to campus, and uh, last week we were told that Michigan made a significant move with him and uh, that they'd probably be somewhere in the top three for him right now. So uh, I think you know those two positions are, are going to be really interesting to see how they develop for Michigan because there's a real, there's real potential for them to pull in you know, some, some of the, literally some of the country's best, not just generally. I mean, these are, these are like the number two, number one guys at their position, you know, according to the composite. So, uh, you know, linebacker, cornerback are, are two spots I'm really keeping an eye on. Steve, as we discussed in June, Texas has been a very tough state for Michigan to recruit in in recent years. If we could bring in Baron Browning, that could open the eyes of some other big prospects in the Lone Star State in the future, couldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the funny thing is with, with Browning is, 
you know, there have been rumors that he may not prefer to play in the Big 12. Uh, UCLA has kind of been a, a school random for a kid from Kennedale, Texas, but UCLA has kind of been a school mentioned with him consistently. Uh, Ohio State is there too. But, yeah, you know, I think Texas has been kind of weird because you think about it, really Baylor, Texas, and Texas A&M have all been down, you know, with Baylor with the, the Bryles stuff now. And then A&M and, and, you know, Kevin Sumlin and Charlie Strong have two of the hottest seats, you know, in, in the country coming into this season. So uh, it's been, I think, in my opinion, at least slightly disappointing that Michigan, you know, hasn't been able to, to seal the deal with some of these guys. I mean, they were close in 16 with – you know, with Dontavious Jackson at linebacker or with, you know, the whole Jordan Elliott saga, um, you know, they've, they've been close, but they haven't quite, you know, been able to seal the deal. Uh, you know, I think with Browning, again, I mean, this guy is the best of the best. It's going to be, it's not going to be easy regardless. Um, but Michigan seems to be trending upward, though, for him big time. I mean, uh, kind of the same with Wade. Uh, I maybe undersold Michigan's chances with him just because, you know, he's visited a few other schools multiple times, had set a couple visits to Michigan, but didn't follow through. Um, but we're told that uh, the visit really maybe couldn't have gone better and that uh, Harbaugh's connection to his older brother uh, is, is really maybe helping them a lot in this case. Steve, right now, this is a top five class. Do you see us moving up in those rankings by February? Uh, I mean, you know, it's kind of the same. Wins are always going to be king. So mm-hmm. Michigan's got to win on the field, obviously. But you know, they have a nice schedule. I know they have the three road games, but again, I mean, they, the potential is there for them to have a huge season. And, and if you, you know, you could go on to Wolverine 24 seven and go on our top targets, you know, we have a targets page, you know, where I keep track of who Michigan's recruiting the hardest or who their top targets are. And man, I mean, they're in striking distance, like legit striking distance. Like I'd say top three or better with, I mean, many of the top, I'd say 50, 100 prospects in the country. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I was actually kind of starting to craft a piece, you know, talking a little bit about what we're talking about here where they set the foundation to have a great class. And even I was like, you know, man, like they really, you know, could really close strong with a big season. And I think they know it too. Uh, You know, and it'll it'll be, you know, I think they're going to finish higher than fifth. I really do. Um, that's even with, you know, Georgia's Georgia's recruiting really well right now. And then Alabama and Ohio state, I think Georgia, Alabama, Ohio state are locks to be in the top five somewhere. It'll just be a matter of, you know, which other schools will fit in there. LSU is always going to have, you know, somewhere way up there too. Um, but I mean, with who they're in with right now, I mean, if they close strong like they could, I mean, it, it'd be really hard not to see them finishing in the top five, especially when you consider, you know, they are going to sign more guys than, you know, a lot of these schools too. Like Ohio State is could have the number one class in the country. The only thing that's going to hold them back from it is that they aren't going to sign a high number of guys this year. I mean, uh, from top to bottom, you know, I think every one of their verbals is a four-star prospect except for that. I think they have a punter committed and you know there's never been a punter who's been a four-star guy so um you know so they're going to be there the only thing holding them back is you know they're not going to be signing as many guys michigan's going to have another really big class so uh, i'd be really surprised if if they weren't a top five top even maybe three class i mean again that's you have to remember it's all about how they do on the field though too i mean if they struggle i still think they'll have a great class but you know you might lose a 
couple guys you might have gotten if you win 10, 11 games. So, um, yeah, I mean, I thought the 16 class was great. I think there's a real, real legitimate chance the 17 class is better. It's never too early to look ahead in the recruiting game, as you well know, Steve. How does the class of 2018 look right now? Sure. So, you know, they have four verbal commitments right now. Um, you know, they have the two kids out of Ohio, Leonard Taylor and, and Antoine Johnson. I'm guessing they'll be at the barbecue. I haven't checked. I actually haven't checked with either one of them right now. Uh, Otis Reese is it was the big pickup for them uh, out of Leesburg, Georgia, the teammates with the, uh, you know, four-star ET commit, Aubrey Solomon in 17. Uh, you know, Reese was a guy at the top of their board at Don Brown's Sam spot. And uh, so he was a really big, very big verbal commitment for them. And then they got a kid named Jaleel Irvin out of Stone Mountain, Georgia. Uh, you know, he had offers from Tulane and Illinois, and then Michigan offered, and he committed very, very quickly. Uh, based on history, I'm just going to say we'll just see how that develops going forward. Uh, you know, but right now it's a lot about – I don't really think, I guess – I couldn't say they have like 15 or 20 guys – for certain that they're like, these are the guys that we are really, really going to go after. They're still kind of sending out offers. They're still doing some evaluations. But, uh, you know, I know a couple guys that uh, people should remember, uh, you know, they're going to keep hitting New Jersey hard. A couple names out of New Jersey to remember. Tyler Friday's a, a top 100 kid out of uh, Don Bosco uh, in Ramsey, New Jersey. Uh, you know, he was on campus last month. Michigan's made him an early priority. Uh, defensive end Darian Har- Dorian Hardy. Uh, out of St. Joseph Regional High School in, in uh, Montvale, New Jersey, is another guy, top 150 guy. Could actually be, he's from New Jersey, but it could actually end up being a Michigan Alabama battle for him. Uh, you know, he was on campus around the same time uh, Friday was, and, and he really liked it a lot as well. Uh, Mustafa Muhammad, I think we talked about him before, mm-hmm. but he's absolutely the top tight end target for Michigan in this class, in the 18 class. 18 uh, is actually going to be a really good class at the tight end position. Um, but I, Muhammad is absolutely their number one guy. Uh, he visited around the same time as the other two guys did. Uh, he was on campus last month uh, with his mom, loved it. The visit went really, really well. It wouldn't surprise me if Michigan led right now, but this is a guy that's already got 25, 30 offers. I mean, and he's totally content on taking his time. So uh, that's going to be more of a long-term type situation. Uh, you know, another name I would maybe throw in there is Jalen Gill, uh, out of Westerville, Ohio. Now, 18, I don't know if we had talked about this before, but I think Michigan's strategy in Ohio was to really attack the 18 class when Harbaugh got hired because at right now with the 16s and 17s, if Ohio State offers, it's pretty much it's going to be really difficult to beat them right now with the way they're playing on the field and the way they're recruiting. So I think Michigan made a priority to, to offer a lot of the top 18s very early you know, it's more of a long-term investment, like, hey, by the time they sign, you know, I think Michigan will have won some games and, and we'll look a lot more attractive to these kids than we might to the 16s and 17s. Gill's the top guy in Ohio in 18. Uh, he's a really interesting prospect. He's a, actually a potentially a major league baseball level baseball prospect as well. Uh, I think he's going to play football, though. He's more of an all-purpose running back. Michigan State, Ohio State, uh, USC, uh, I'm trying to think of who else is in there for him, but Michigan's definitely right up there for him as well. I don't know if he'll be at the barbecue or not, um, but but he's been a top priority for them. Jackson Carmen out of Fairfield, Ohio. Michigan had a satellite camp at Fairfield, Ohio uh, last month. 
Uh, he's a borderline five-star offensive lineman that, you know, again, I think right now with him, many people think he's a Buckeye lock, uh, but I know Michigan continues to kind of chip away and plug away with him. I do think he'll be at the barbecue, uh, you know. So those are some names to kind of remember. Uh, I think the overarching theme in 18 will kind of be a lot about very similar to what Michigan's looking at in 17 right now. It's going to be a small class, so I think you're going to see them narrow their targets a little bit more and, and try to make it a small class that's full of top-end kind of talent. It won't be a depth-building class. It'll be more of a talent-building class because, you know, they're not going to have as many scholarships to give out. So, um, you know, again, like I talked about Ohio State in 17's had an awesome class so far. I mean, elite prospect after elite prospect. I think that's what Michigan's going to look to do in 18. It's going to be, you know, tighter spots, so they're going to go after – you know, only the guys at the very, very top of their board. So it'll be an interesting class. I mean, you know, the 14 and 15 cycles were interesting under Hoke because there were so few spots. You know, it was like, who are they going to take? You know, how are they going to dictate, you know, when to take a guy or whatever? So, uh, you know, under Harbaugh, you know, we know he's a little more liberal uh, with his approach, I think, with the scholarships and stuff than, than Hoke was. But uh, it, it's just it's going to be a smaller class. I mean, there's just no way around it. So, uh, you know, it'll be fun. It'll be a fun class. They're, they're in, they're, they've set the foundation with a lot of guys, though. Steve, we're just weeks away from the start of fall practice. Uh, the preseason magazines are out. Expectations very high for Michigan again. And a lot of this was fueled by the impressive bowl win over Florida, wasn't it? You know, I think the bowl game was really big for the team and the program. You know, I, I think sometimes, you know, bowl games are... I'm not going to say they're looked at, and you know, you get in the playoffs, obviously they mean something, but the other games sometimes can be kind of looked at as an exhibition or, or, you know, whatever. I think, you know, Harbaugh took the, what we could just call the Harbaugh approach to it. And, you know, they put the pedal to the metal and, and it really showed on the field. Uh, and I think from a mental standpoint, I really think that's going to be a big springboard for this team. You know, Florida had one of the, especially offensively, because I mean, it's, hard to fathom this defense not being one of the best in the country this year. I mean, they, they have, they bring back so much talent. They're so deep on the defensive line. I mean, depth, depth is almost as important as skill on the defensive line. I mean, they're going to have bodies upon bodies. I mean, if, if a guy like a Lawrence Marshall or a Chase Winovich can like take that next step along with who they already have uh, up front, uh, you know, there's potential to be scary, you know, on the defensive line. So, the bowl game, I think, was huge offensively, though, for especially the running backs and the, and the offensive line, who looked, they both looked completely different uh, against Florida than they did against, really, you know, the last, even the last four or five games in their schedule. You know, they had a couple of really nice wins in there, but um, they just looked totally different. They looked better. And, and I think you're going to see that carry over into the season. You know, the thing I keep thinking about with them and the way the season's setting up is, you know, everyone talks about the three away games. Mm-hmm. Obviously, those are all going to be really difficult, but they have a really, they finally have a nice, you know, a lot of other programs seem to get this, but they have a really nice opening schedule uh, to maybe get their, whoever wins the quarterback job, to maybe get them comfortable, to potentially get Grant Newsom at left tackle comfortable. I mean, that's a pretty big situation for them is, is making sure he's comfortable. It appears he's going to win the job. I mean, Drevno all but said it, you know, at the at the Bright Lights Big House camp a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, that'll be big getting him comfortable. But besides that, I mean, they bring back so much experience and, and so much talent. 
it's it's uh i think the expectations are are just i mean it should be any other team in the country that wins 10 games and then brings back as many players and as many great players as they do i think it's kind of weird that people don't understand like you get some fans that kind of deflect mm-hmm. the uh you know deflect the expectations but they won 10 games last year they were the and were you know arguably one of the two or three flukiest plays in college football history away from winning 11 and uh you know to bring all that back with a coaching staff like what they have uh you know a lot of some of the best coaches in college football have won a national championship in their second season i know urban meyer did at florida uh, and at ohio state uh you know to be in that position i think the expectations are completely 100 percent just and uh you know, I don't think it should deflect, you know, fans should, people should embrace the expectations. I mean, that's what Michigan is used to. Uh, and, and I think that's what the players, I think that's one of the messages that Harbaugh, you know, has, has really been effective in sending his, you know, to getting to his players is that this is, this should be the expectation every year. You know, this is where you guys should be every single season. You know, so it was interesting. I can tell you a quick story. We were at the Sound Mind, Sound Body in Detroit last month. And I talked to, we'll just say someone close to the program Mm -hmm. who mentioned, talked about, you know, I asked him, I was like, you know, how much different is it under coach Harbaugh than it maybe was under, under coach Hoke. And it was kind of an eye opening answer, even though I kind of expected a good answer, but they said, you know, they said we went into every game fully prepared and fully expecting to win every time we took the field under coach Harbaugh. He's like, I've never been more prepared you know, than I, than I was under, under coach Harbaugh, under coach Hoke, he said, we'd go up against Ohio state and we'd, we'd hope that we would win. We were hoping. And with coach Harbaugh, we expect, and uh, they said, you know, we, we know we got beat up pretty badly against Ohio state, but we went in there expecting to destroy them. And it didn't take, you know, the way the result didn't take away from our, our vision overall, like going forward and stuff. And, just really interesting, you know, to, to hear, you know, to say you were hoping to win a game against like your most bitter rival is kind of a, a really bad mentality. Uh, and for, for Harbaugh to have, you know, maybe flip that switch on uh, across the board and the program, I think is, you know, it's why people should be excited. I really think people should be excited with no, no boundaries on it this year. I mean, they should, should be a great year, should be a lot of fun. Steve, what's interesting to me is that the expectations are sky high and we don't even know who the starting quarterback is going to be. Do you think Jim Harbaugh knows who will be under center on September 3rd? Right. And and I think, uh, you know, it actually goes back to, I think, what I mentioned about Rudock earlier. You look at what he did against Utah compared to what he did against Florida uh, night and day. That was on short, short time. That was on like less than a calendar year of work. Uh, you get both O'Corn and Spate have been there for well over a calendar year with Harbaugh now a year and a half. And uh, you, that's why I think fans shouldn't worry as much about the quarterback position as, as maybe you normally would when you don't know who your starting quarterback is going to be. In my opinion, Mike, I don't think Michigan knows yet. I really don't. I, I'd, I'd be surprised if, because from what we were told, at least in spring ball, it was pretty neck and neck between Spate and O'Corn, and that Spate was a little was a little bit uh, above him. Uh, I think if O'Corn, I think the, the situation from what we were told is that Spate did a better job of kind of managing the game. I mean, I hate that phrase, but he, yeah. people know what you mean when you say it. 
um, in making less mistakes, making better decisions consistently. And when you have the skill players that you do, you can win with a guy like that. You know, I mean, you got Darbo, you have Chesson, you have Butt, you even have, you know, I'm sure Jabril's going to play on offense again this year. You got Davion Smith, you know, Ty Isaac looked like a different guy in the spring game than he did last year. You know, so they got skill players around them to, uh, to allow it, whoever wins the quarterback job to succeed. You know, for me, I still think the offensive line is the biggest question for them. Not that they're not going to perform well, but that they need to perform well consistently. And I think consistency, you know, has been an issue with these guys. And, uh, you know, you guys, these are all we're elite guys coming out of high school pretty much. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Mason Cole is always going to be Mason Cole. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the country. Um, but you got the guards in Braden and Kalis and, and Magnuson, you know, are guys I think that really need to maybe take that next step up this year. And if they do, I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they just, they do. They have so many weapons offensively and, and even Grant Perry. I mean, Grant Perry looked awesome against Florida and, and he's another guy. If you remember watching him against Utah, you know, he looked lost out mm-hmm. on the field and then you see him against Florida and he's, you know, I think he had like 60 yards receiving seven or eight catches. I mean, that's, you know, again, against an SEC defense, that was one of the, they were the, one of the best overall defenses in the country last year. And, uh, you know, to, so I, I, you know, with the quarterback position, I'm, I'm more looking at, you know, how does the offensive line gel and uh, how do they make it fit, you know. My guest today on our July recruiting roundup has been Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. Uh, Steve, my listeners cannot get enough of your updates, and really uh, no one does it better. So thanks again for your time, and we look forward to having you back soon. Thanks a lot, Mike. Always a good time. Wolverine Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the Vsporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Wolverine Quick Hits today, we'll keep it short today as the interview with Steve was a long one, which is easy to do because no one covers Michigan recruiting better than Steve Lorenz, and most of us just can't get enough recruiting news. As I said at the top of the show, today's program marks the end of our summer broadcast schedule of two shows a month. On August 3rd, we're back on our weekly schedule, and we start the previews in preparation for the home opener against Hawaii on September 3rd. So make a note of that date and tell your Michigan family and friends to start tuning us in each week. Like us on Facebook at The Michigan Man Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at The Michigan Man, where you can also follow Wolverine Sports Radio at Go Blue Radio. Our show apps are available in the iTunes and Google Play stores, and beginning this fall, you can hear us on iHeartRadio. It's going to be a busy fall, and I know you're ready for another season of Michigan football. I know I am. Until then, enjoy the waning days of summer and relax while you can. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls, 
at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!